Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. Good morning, Matilda. We're Good live. <laughs> so I'm here with Matilda Lloyd. Um, from, you're not from America, are you? I'm not. I'm from <laughs> England. Uh, so a few years ago, I started doing some uh, work on some British cruise ships. Okay. Uh, Cunard, and I was on the Queen Mary too, and then oh, a couple of P&O ships. Yeah. All Brits in the band. And I used to think that uh, all the British sounded alike. And then I started hearing dialects. And I could hear, though, from Liverpool. Oh, they're from Newcastle. Oh, they're from, right, Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, and Not Birmingham like it is here in the States, but Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I'm listening to you, but I'm like, it's been a while. So I can't place, I mean, everybody would say you're from London, right? Um, I grew up in Kent, which is southeast, between London and the coast. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but I live in London now. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start with the most obvious thing is your spectacular performance last night here at ITG. Thank you. And the concert was not um, your typical concert. I mean, we had yourself, uh, Daniel Crespo, Amy McCabe, uh, Jason Bergman, Grant Peters, and then, of course, um, Sergey yeah. <laughs> Nikariakov. Um, Everybody played brilliantly, and I think I don't know a whole lot about you, which is kind of the reason I was hoping to get an interview is then to learn more. But oh my gosh, the finesse on the piccolo trumpet was just it was amazing from the first note. It was just wonderful. So thanks for a great performance well, last thank night. Thank you very much. Um, how'd that feel? It, was, it felt it felt good. Um, it was actually the first time I performed that piece with the strings. I've only ever done it with piano reduction. Nice. So it's got some really really idiomatic string writing, all the tremolos and the like, the repeated notes. Um, so it was definitely an amazing experience to play it with the string orchestra and Olivier conducting was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Oh, he did a great job all night long. And Absolutely. the audience was obviously, so, it was, it's so lovely to play to an audience <laughs> full of trumpet players who they un understand, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. what's, what's involved in performing a piece like that. So right. um, definitely felt, 
felt the love. Yeah. So big difference between strings and piano reduction? Definitely, yeah. You prefer the strings, I would imagine. Yeah, it's hard for a piano to do repeated, repeated chords mm -hmm, <laughs> notes. Mm -hmm. and so. Well, and the color yeah, is just it, preferred, I think. Definitely. Like with The Quiet City, so many times we get to do it only with yeah. piano, but boy, the strings make such a, a beautiful definitely, difference yeah, in that. Yeah. So is that the first time you've performed that piece live? Uh, well, I mean, you, you said you've done reduction, obviously you've performed it before, but... Um, I, I didn't know if you'd recorded it or if no, this is No, I haven't recorded it, um, but I've, I've performed it, I think only two or three times in the past with mm -hmm. piano. Mm -hmm. yeah, one of which was at the, the Eric Orbier competition. That's yeah. where I was introduced to the piece. It was the, the compulsory piece for the second round of the competition. Mm -hmm. um, and Mr. Zhevtik was there at, at the competition in the audience, so it was really great to meet him and chat to him. Well, and that was interesting too. A couple of people I was sitting with were like, uh, well, she played beautifully, but have you ever heard of this composer before? And no was kind of the answer. Yeah. He's a little bit unknown. Yeah, he's written a few trumpet pieces. I think he's written two or three concertos, all mm -hmm. for Eric Orbier himself. So mm -hmm. um, I really like his music. Mm -hmm. And I that's one of the other reasons why I chose to play this piece here is because I thought most people wouldn't have heard of it. And I, you know, at a, at a trumpet conference like this, I thought it was quite nice to bring something a bit unusual or unknown yeah. and, and sh show people a great piece. And you know, as, okay, it's a direct contrast with the ad absurdum which followed. I mean, it wasn't filled with a million notes. No. But beautiful writing, and I, I don't even know if I would call it idiomatic for trumpet, just because there were some angular yeah. things within the piece, and ending the phrase uh, on, <laughs> on and, an and again, but again, you you just, it was like a trapeze artist, you know, just delicate release, and you swung right on to the next part beautifully. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of people are going to start to look up that piece and, so. and, and yeah, put yeah. that into their repertoire. So, um, do you do a lot of piccolo playing? Typically, not not a huge amount. Um, I would say at the moment, probably I spend most of my life playing the C trumpet mm -hmm. and a bit of B flat as well. Obviously, in England, I, I grew up learning the, the B flat. Sure. Actually, I've only had my C trumpet for about three years. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the repertoire I'm learning now is all on C trumpet. Mm -hmm. But I do try to incorporate piccolo into my daily. Mm -hmm practice, I find if you take a few days off, then you've lost it. <laughs> then you have to start, yes. start from scratch. Yes. Um, and I, I also love playing sort of, you know, the Marcello and Telemans and Vivaldi's <laughs> and sure. all of that stuff is really lovely in recitals or with organ. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do do a bit of piccolo. Um, of course, you've got some great company in, uh, in the female trumpet world these days. With Allison, of course, in England, and yeah. Tina yeah. in Norway. Have you met either of them? Yeah, I've met them, them both. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I recently met Tina at the Fantini competition in February. Um, nice. Got to know her quite well there, which was really lovely. And mm -hmm. I've met Allison a few times a few years ago. I haven't seen her recently, mm -hmm. but I think she's doing very well. Are you going to follow her into the natural trumpet world? No, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> that is, she's been gangbusters into that. I mean, she went yeah, she, very... she's fantastic at the natural yeah. trumpet. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't do my undergrad at a music conservatory. I went to university in Cambridge and did oh. an, an academic degree. So I didn't actually ever start, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to, to learn the natural trumpet until very recently when mm -hmm. I've been doing my master's at the Royal Academy. Mm -hmm. So 
I was late to the party <laughs> and also just didn't really have um, enough time to dedicate to it to, sure. to really master it. So sure. um, I think I'll leave that to the, to the pros. Yeah. So who do you study with? Uh, so I've who, been have st who have you studied with? Yeah, I've, I've been studying with Mark David for the last four years at the Royal Academy. Mm -hmm. um, but recently, over the last sort of year and a half, I've been having a few lessons with Hawken Hardenberger. And I'm going to study in his, on his, um, they have a, a diploma, sort of post-master's diploma in, mm -hmm. in his school in Sweden. So I'm mm -hmm. going to go and study with him for the next two years. Uh, but living in London and commuting over for lessons. Is that much of a commute? No, it's a, in fact, you can actually just fly over to Copenhagen and then get the train across oh. the bridge to Malmo. So. Oh, I forgot the bridge. Yeah, it's right. quite... They're not, they're not that far apart. No, That's right. yeah, it's, That's it's right. actually a very easy... Easy journey, cheap flights. So. Um, so what have you what have you learned from him? I've learned so many. I mean, he's completely changed most things about how I played the trumpet. Um, yeah. Did you feel <laughs> Did you feel like you had a lot to fix? <laughs> I did once he told me what I needed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> once he made me aware of uh -huh, uh -huh. of you know once I, and also once he started helping me with these things, um, particularly production, articulation, mm. all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Once he started, and I, you know, I started the process and I could sort of see what the end result was going to be, right. I knew that it was going to be worth it right. to, to, you know, to learn. Yeah. And those tools in my toolbox. Obviously, so. he's, a, he's a great inspiration. Even if you don't get a lesson with him, just listening to uh, his performances are, yeah. are wonderful. Um, so he obviously is an inspiration as a player. Who else? Who else Definitely. do you enjoy listening to? And um, I actually, I really enjoy Giuliano's performance. His recital yesterday was. I wasn't there, but everybody so. was just kind of the way they were talking about Sergei last yeah. night. Said it was just spectacular. The musicianship and his sound, and just the way he feels the music. Mm -hmm. He really feels it in his in his heart, and I think that. That's something that sometimes trumpeters forget about. So I, I really, I really feel that from him, and mm -hmm. you know, think that's a very important thing to remember. Okay, so think about that in relation to the piece that you played last night, which might you think, well, a couple of places there's a nice melodic, yeah, line, but with the angularity, you know, it's like, okay, what are you feeling in your heart? <laughs> so I think <laughs> well with that, that piece, because um, there's five different movements. Uh, they're all sort of you know, it's it's one one piece, but there's five very distinct separate sections. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it's really fun. And they're all very different, so I think it's, it's really fun to be able to pick out the different characters, mm -hmm. you know, the sort of maestoso, bold, mm -hmm. fanfare opening um, section. And then you've got the sort of very light and almost, I think, sort of like a bumblebee, all the sort of uh, double-tonguing, the quiet double-tonguing in, mm -hmm. in the second section. And then, yeah, then you have the legato melodic playing, which I think sounds almost like a Gregorian chant. Like it's very, mm -hmm. with the strings and all the, the sort of fourths and fifths mm -hmm. color that they create there. And then you've got the sort of allegro vivo to finish off, which is really like dancey and fun and lively mm -hmm. and it has quite a swing to it. So mm -hmm. it's fun to bring out those different yeah. characters. Yeah. Um. You'd consider that new music. I mean, he's a relatively, well, I wouldn't say new composer, but maybe new to the, the trumpet world. Um, I or is think that a fair statement? The, he wrote this piece in 1985. 
So it's been around for a while. Good. Then I'm going to edit out my, my comment <laughs> right before that because I'll sound like an idiot with that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, uh, what other composers do you enjoy playing? Um, recently, I've been playing a lot of French music. Um, Tomasi, Jolivet, Chen, Charlier, all, all learning all of that French repertoire, which is which I love. Um, I've also, I would love to learn some of the Peskin pieces that mm. that Giuliano has been playing and recording, and mm -hmm. I think they're a great addition to the to the repertoire, with along with the the Burns and the Brants, and I think they're really great recital pieces. Um, for the audience. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you think you can, uh, this is the thing I like about ITG, you're going to hear occasionally pieces that you know, like Quiet City. Yeah. Or Vivaldi, something or other. But there's so much new music. You know, and at first listen, like a lot of us, at the first listen you're kind of like, huh, not sure if I like that. But I think that becomes less and less because I think more than new music we embrace much more quickly. I think we're just, days. we're so used to hearing the same old, you know, intradas and <laughs> legends, and they're all f such fantastic mm -hmm. pieces, and they will, you know, I will continue to play them and love them my whole life, but I think we're all really starting to appreciate that there's actually a lot of other trumpet music out there that's yeah. been lost or buried or forgotten or, mm -hmm. you know, hasn't been recorded or mm -hmm. is, is still in copyright, so hasn't been made available, and I think we're all... Mm -hmm learning to really sort of treasure those and mm -hmm. try to broaden the repertoire, expand the repertoire. Well, still speaking about repertoire, are there pieces that you are thinking, boy, I would love to do that on trumpet that nobody else has done yet? Or do you have any composition aspirations to actually pen something? Myself, composing, probably not. Um, I've never really done very much of that. I would love to definitely um, commission some pieces, I think, especially by up-and-coming female composers as well. I think mm -hmm. that's that would be really nice to have a few more pieces for trumpet written by, by women mm -hmm. in the future. Have you done any arranging? No, I haven't. No. That might be something to consider. Well, I'm not encouraging you to. I was just... <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, what's it like playing in England? Um, well, I mean, you're touring all over the world, but what's it like uh, in the scene that you're involved in? It's, yeah, it's lovely. Very supportive. Um, I've, over the last couple of years, I've done a lot of recitals and concertos in the UK, and the audiences are pretty good, mm -hmm. to be honest. But mostly as a soloist that you're talking, but um, do, yeah. you, do you perform uh, in the section with an orchestra anywhere, or... Are you no. trying to dedicate yourself just as yeah, a soloist? Yeah, I've, I've done I've done some orchestral playing um, in my life. I, I was in the European Union Youth Orchestra for three years mm -hmm. and played a lot. Did that did three big tours with them um, a few years ago, and really enjoyed that. But mm -hmm. I think definitely my passion is for solo solo playing. I love the repertoire. I love being able to, you know make my own artistic mm -hmm. decisions and mm. I love getting up on stage and sh showing the world this amazing music mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. for me definitely my passion is for solo mm -hmm. solo playing. I'd heard recently about uh, Hokan uh, he wants at least a year with a piece before he'll perform it publicly does that right. sound 
accurate, you think? Or? Probably. <laughs> so, well, so then the question as it relates to you, and you know, how long do you have to live with a piece before you're like, yeah, I can step out and comfortably perform it? I think it depends it. on the piece. Um, I once had to step in for, actually for Tina, for a concert. Um, I think she was unwell, so I only had five days' notice. Um, and I, I, luckily, I'd played a piece by the, the same composer before, so I was sort of familiar with her mm -hmm. trumpet writing and the sort of sound worlds and, you know, the, the patterns that she used. But mm -hmm. I had to learn that, that piece in five days and then perform it. So, <laughs> the t you know, it can be done. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. you, a, few, a few months would be nice for, for most yeah. pieces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard Tina <clears throat> live, and uh, I'm from Indiana, in Indianapolis. Specifically, um, she and uh, her brass group came to yeah, northern part of Indiana, and I took my whole trumpet studio and department chair. We drove up and and listened to the concert. I think we were all speechless. After I mean, Tina played beautifully, but the whole group was just spectacular. Yeah. And you know, I, I look at it as I don't know that they think it's a gimmick that it's all female, because well, it's not a gimmick. It's just, you know, it's, it's what, ten, ten great musicians. Female brass players. Yes. And it was one of the most remarkable things I had ever experienced. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, because of the language barrier, only Tina and one other player came out after the concert oh, really? to, the to chat. And yeah. uh, uh, it was a treat. I got to, got to meet and talk to Tina briefly yeah. for that. But... Uh, Oh, it was also me. She played barefoot for the whole concert. I didn't know if that's a normal thing for her, but maybe I uh, don't know. But maybe, well, if you were going to step in and play another piece for her, maybe you should ask her, should I play barefoot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what pieces uh, are you currently learning? Um, I'm currently learning some more contemporary pieces, um, some Tisney. Um, Takamitsu, um, also going to learn, I think, over the summer, the Jolivet Concertino. So that's going to be my, my summer project. Mm -hmm. um, which I think it's a fantastic piece. And I've, played, I've learned his, the concerto number two, so I think it'd be great to, to have the concertino mm -hmm. in, in my repertoire as well. So I think I'll have fun learning those this mm -hmm. summer. And that's a sea trumpet? Yeah. Sea trumpet piece. Yeah. So, equipment-wise, do you prefer to play everything on C, or do you enjoy still playing B flat? Yeah, I do. I do still enjoy playing B flat. I think, I think my C trumpet is definitely my favorite instrument. Mm -hmm. I also do love my E flat as well. Mm -hmm. Something very nice about returning to the E flat to play a high. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, you know, for yeah. every trumpet player, it's a special, special piece. <laughs> so, it was Andrea Tofanelli for his exams played the Haydn, but in the cadenza, he went up to double high C. <laughs> Fantastic. And, you know, wow, of course, only guy. Andrea can, can, can get away that. With, yeah, it, yeah. with that. Are you associated with uh, Yamaha or Shawgirl or? So I play mostly <clears throat> Yamaha trumpets. Mm -hmm. um, my piccolo is a Schildke, but everything else is Yamaha. So mm -hmm. um, currently working with them um, mm -hmm. towards some kind of collaboration yeah so but you are currently an artist performing artist for them I'm about to be are you okay so you are working <laughs> to, work, to yeah, get working to that point to, yeah okay yeah 
Well, I know they support, obviously, some absolutely terrific musicians. Uh, I mean, Jens popped by right before we started the yeah. interview. Of course, he's a big, uh, well, he's probably the biggest <laughs> uh, mouthpiece for uh, Yamaha. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a good way. Do you teach currently? Um, I haven't done much teaching yet, but I really enjoy giving master classes and clinics. I'm starting mm -hmm. to do a lot more of that, and mm -hmm. I think that's a really great way to, to meet so many of the trumpet players mm -hmm. around the world and, you know, share mm -hmm. the love of the trumpet. So you're never supposed to ask a lady this question, but how old are you? 23. So you're standing up in a master class with people just, you know, a few years younger than yourself. Yeah, and usually taller. And usually? Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you don't wear heels. <laughs> not to play. Yeah. I don't, I don't to either, play. to be fair. I don't yeah, wear heels well, either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I think, you know, you need your two feet on the ground to play the trumpet. And if, you know, you don't want any opportunity for shaky legs or mm -hmm. a loss of balance, mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely not something that would be good. Mm -hmm. So let's go back a little further. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you started? What were some inspiration, uh, inspirational recordings or experiences that you had early on? Um, so I started <coughs> playing when I was eight. Um, my dad played trumpet at school and he had his old trumpet lying around in a cupboard and I, you know, discovered it in a cupboard and thought it looked very exciting and shiny and <laughs> wanted to have a go. Mm -hmm. um, I already had been learning the piano because my, my mum's a, a piano teacher, mm -hmm. so she'd already, you know, been teaching me mm -hmm. music theory and how to read notes and stuff. So mm -hmm. by the time I got to the trumpet, that, that was already there, which was... That's important. Very useful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I could just focus on learning the instrument and mm -hmm. fingerings and <laughs> mm -hmm. the important stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I started started learning. And I mean, I think my earliest heroes were my dad's heroes. Mm -hmm. So Arturo Sandoval and Wynton Marsalis and people like that. Mm -hmm. um, they were my sort of first. New to me just in the last few years, I've learned more about Derek Watkins. Um, was that somebody that you were familiar with and listened to? Um, not so much, obviously now, definitely, but not not so much when I was younger. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I know a lot of people think about England and they think about the the brass band scene. They do. Were you ever part of uh, part of that? No, I wasn't. No, I didn't grow up in that in that tradition. Um, I have played in some brass bands mm -hmm. um, over the years, but I've never I've never been sort of. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in that in that tradition. Mm -hmm. And of course, now in the states, the the brass band thing is becoming huge yeah, here. Yes. Uh, the only difference is I don't think we try to copy the vibrato. And it, <laughs> but well, and I think part of it is you have to grow up in that style. Yeah, very much. It's not so, an easy way. thing to copy. No. With that, so of course, vibrato is such can be such a personal thing too. The way mm. you choose. Um, I don't think I've asked anybody this question before. Maybe it'll be a, a good question. Maybe not. Do you consider vibrato, uh, depending on the piece that you're playing? Um, I definitely didn't used to. I, I, vibrato was something that I didn't really consider as a, a musical tool. When I, was, when I was a lot younger, it was just an automatic color and the sound that I, it was just there. Mm -hmm. um, but particularly, I would say over the last three or four years, other 
you know, I've been playing in masterclasses with these, you know, fantastic people like uh, Reinhold Friedrich and Jeroen Bavertz and Hawken and Eric and all these people, and they've really helped me see that, you know, you don't always need the vibrato. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you have a nice sound without it, that, that sound is a good contrast to the, with the vibrato. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you can, obviously, there's many different types of vibrato. Right, and that's kind of... And the, you know, I think I definitely now see it as a, as a, a particular type of vibrato for a particular mm -hmm. color on... And it's an ornament. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in a sense. And I'll, when I approach a piece, I'll think about which notes I want to, you know, to color with the vibrato mm -hmm. and which ones, which sort of phrases would be nicer without mm -hmm. create that sort of really smooth flow. You know, and I appreciate that. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to hear just a beautiful straight, beautiful straight tone, and then maybe widen into uh, something uh, appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> and also I, I, I often think, especially uh, there's quite a lot of trumpet music, especially with trumpet and organ, that's got almost a religious flavor to it, that sort of purity. And I think if you have a phrase like that, I think it's really beautiful to play it without any vibrato at all, just well, to give it that kind of the, ethereal. The Havanas comes to mind when exactly. you say that. Yeah, it's like, that's it, what it I was, was thinking it, of too. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like, oh, how inappropriate that would be to, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> exactly. it doesn't fit. Yeah. It doesn't fit. Um, that's a piece, actually, I got to play with uh, organ in a beautiful cathedral. It's the first time I'd ever played with, uh, other than piano. Mm. And I was like, that was the sound he had in mind yeah. when he wrote that piece. Just in uh, chant-like, Yeah, course, exactly. You know. but I think you, you don't, vibrato isn't, isn't necessary for that piece mm -hmm. to be beautiful. It, it is beautiful by itself. Yeah. So, I, like I'd mentioned with Tina and her group a, a couple of minutes ago, of course, she's done remarkable things. Allison's done remarkable things, uh, inspiring young female, and well, probably females of all ages. Um, you, do you see yourself in that role as not like it's not just a guy's world? Um, Definitely. I mean, I, I hope that I'm flying the flag for female brass players and out there and continue to do so, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll def I would definitely love to continue that legacy mm -hmm. that they've created mm -hmm. and, yeah, encourage females yeah. to play the trumpet. Well, and now I have, do you have video videos on YouTube? A few. A yeah. few. Starting to get some more up there. Well, I have half of my studio is female where I teach. And it's been this way for quite a while, but YouTube, of course, is a great resource. Yeah. But to be able to go and and say okay we're going to go watch and listen to this performance and not have to just go to the old white guys yeah <laughs> you know and so let's listen to tina let's listen listen to uh allison now let's listen to uh matilda you know um and maybe enlighten me oh there's this oh uh this young catalonian trumpet player she's a jazz player oh, right. i think she's about your age oh, about okay. 23 yeah and I can't remember her name. But there again, it's just like, it's really helped open, uh, open everybody's eyes. And, you know, my students look at this and I'm thinking, you know, it encourages them. It's like, yeah, we, yeah, definitely. Everybody, belong, everybody belongs. Well, I think, I think you know, everyone realizes now there's, 
there's no reason why women can't play brass instruments and you know they're equally as capable yeah. and I think it's just becoming a lot more common so mm -hmm. and accepted which I think is fantastic years ago well a very long time ago 1958 Leonard Bernstein and the New York Philharmonic did a series of concerts for the young people's guide or young person's concerts and we watched this with uh, our whole family sat down to watch this uh, I bought the DVD set just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Black and white, New York Philharmonic, Leonard Bernstein. We're about 10 or so minutes in, and my 12-year-old says, hey, Dad, there are no women in the orchestra. Yeah. And I said, William, it's pretty observant. I said, what else do you notice? And he was looking and watching, and he, I said, think about diversity. Yeah. And truly, there, of course, there were no women in that orchestra. And, and my wife and I, as soon as that DVD came on, it was, we kind of looked at each other like, oh my gosh. You know, it, we, it's hard to believe that there was a time when there was this exclusivity, right? Yeah. I mean, only men could play, only Caucasian yeah. could play. And it just, it seems absurd to think that we ever, you know, lived in a, in a place like that. I agree. You know? And I know that still happens. Um, but like I said a few minutes ago, everybody belongs, yeah. you know? Um, so I love what you're doing. I love the energy that you, you brought to the stage last night. Thank you. Um, I, I love the uh, chance to talk to you here. And yeah, thanks for the, the downside of, of audio is people can't see, you know, when you talk about, I mean, you're, you really enjoy trumpet. Well, you enjoy music. I do. Very yeah. Much. Um, so I, you know, I, I really look forward to hearing more from you. And uh, any sage advice? I know even at 23, have you got some sage advice for younger players? I get asked a lot about performance nerves by by young young trumpet players and brass players, and I I think my best advice is just to have as many performance opportunities as you can, even if even if it's just you know, in front of your family, at, if you're preparing for an exam or an audition or, you know, just that, that experience of having to stand up, hopefully, you know, with a pianist um, and perform the piece from the beginning to the end. And if you go wrong, you can't stop and play that bit again and again. And I think, I think that experience is so important. And I think the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Mm -hmm. So you still experience... Um little anxiety or yeah or definitely uh, for me my nerves have always been manageable on stage mm -hmm. normally they'll be in the first couple of minutes of a performance and then I'll relax into mm -hmm. it um, but there's definitely techniques you know sort of um, doing a bit of yoga and breathing exercises mm -hmm. and you know just trying to get into the mindset before you get on stage mm -hmm. um, They've definitely all helped me. Mm -hmm. Even Doc uh, had talked about he still gets so nervous when he walks on stage. Right, wow. Are you kidding? <laughs> and he said early on, he said, well, I might as well think of it as a friend and invite my friend on the stage and be part of the performance. Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of, of course, you can think, well, let's do it. Let's take care of it with beta blockers. Oh, no, I've never right? used those, yeah. And there are people who say, well, 
maybe you just need to practice more, right? And then, I, but I think the way you described it really is it is you just you've got to get into that. You got to make it a comfort zone. Yeah. Where it's like definitely. it's not unusual to to do this. This is what I do every day. Stand out in front of you know a thousand or so trumpet players. Yeah. Well, and and thank goodness not every audience is all trumpet yeah, players. That right? is true. <laughs> That's true. It was a yeah a very special audience yeah. <laughs> last night. Yeah. So, how in the world did you agree to perform at ITG? Was that not a little bit daunting to think about, oh, it's all trumpet players? I think it was very exciting to me, to be honest. To, well, I was just honored to be invited and, you know, to play in the same concert as Sergei and all, and all the other amazing soloists. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a dream come true for me. So, mm -hmm. I think I was obviously nervous, but m more excited about, and also, I've met so many fantastic people here that I would not necessarily have had the opportunity to meet. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I've made some lifelong friends and, you know, I hope to come back to the ITG and see mm -hmm. everyone again. And mm -hmm. that the whole experience has been really great. Mm -hmm. So I think that's helped, you know, blow away any nerves. Of course, the, the people on listening wouldn't know that uh, there's a lobby kind of right in the middle of everything that's going on with the conference. And it's kind of been a the meeting place. Yes, yeah, truly the meeting hug. place. Yeah. And you know, I've seen you down there, and I've seen Sergey down there, and it's a, an opportunity to just sit and have a great conversation, and like you said, make new friends. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of what ITG is about, right? Is definitely is uh, getting closer as a family and trying to get more people involved in the family, and yeah, it and really that, does feel like yeah. a family, as you say. Yeah. You said. It was obviously obvious that you were nervous. I was in the front row last night. There was nothing obvious. Of, you looked you looked so comfortable when you walked out there, and you know, of course, I didn't see any uh, yeah. any of that. So I don't know about obvious. You know, okay. you, again, you look so comfortable, and to have to start by yourself. <gasps> yeah, it's, it's quite nice in a way because you don't have to. You know, you can take your time with your breathing and you can start when you're just at right at the at the right moment yeah. so that that's actually I quite enjoyed that yeah. Um, yeah did you have a rehearsal yesterday afternoon yes so you had to play that twice yesterday yeah yeah, yeah. I, I didn't play some of the high notes in the rehearsal oh, okay you know, you've got to okay. save it for the yeah. you don't want to do your performance in the in the run through in the sound yeah so yeah I always make a couple of tweaks or you know stop stop in the middle and just say oh one one thing there just so it's not a, a full run through sure because you don't yeah you don't want to sure. peak too soon <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly yeah. well thank you for sharing some time this morning thank it's you very much treat for to inviting get to, me you bet and nice to get to know you a little bit i'm really looking forward to hearing and seeing you know more things coming down you've got such a long career ahead of you <laughs> i hope so <laughs> yeah well i hope i do too you know i'm, I'm not planning on being done anytime soon but yeah. So, well, thank you again. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues, and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcast from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you, too, can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studio hfl 
And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.